Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. Happy Thursday, folks, and welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio for September 28, 2016. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews. So much to talk about here today from Clash of Champions on Sunday. Raw on Monday, an amazing episode of SmackDown Live on Tuesday. We have TNA Bound for Glory upcoming this Sunday and the whole situation surrounding TNA, a potential buyer, Billy Corgan, WWE. A lot to discuss in that front momentarily. NXT on Wednesday. Uh, A lot to talk about in the world of wrestling. But one event I feel like is being overlooked right now in the entire world of wrestling is our All-Star Extravaganza presented by Ring of Honor this Friday, just tomorrow. Technically, I'm recording this on Wednesday night. It might be up on Wednesday night, so putting up an early edition for you guys. I have nothing going on right now, so I just got done literally finishing watching. I just got finished watching Lucha Underground and NXT, and I figured, you know what? Got some time. The roommate's gone. Might as well pump out an episode of WrestleRant Radio, but I am speaking of pump. That's the key word today, folks. That is the key word in today's episode of WrestleRant Radio. I am so goddamn pumped for all-star extravaganza on Friday. The whole card is stacked. You got Adam Cole, Michael Elgin for the ROH World Championship in the main event. You have Naito versus Jay Lethal, and my favorite match in the card, as I'm sure it is for many other people. Also, the debut of the six man tag team championship tournament. That's kicking off on Friday, too. But the match I am most looking forward to on Friday is the Ladder Warfare match, or Ladder War, I believe it's called, between the Addiction. Christopher Daniels and Gazarian defending their ROH World Tag Team titles against the Young Bucks and their Motor City Machine Guns. They've only done five of these matches ever in ROH's 10-plus year history, dating back to 2002. So this is going to be a historic match featuring three of the best tag teams in the world today. And I know I don't talk all that much about Ring of Honor here on the show. I do watch every single week. My written reviews of the show are up right here on this website, nextairwrestling.net, every Monday through Wednesday. The, the, technically, the show airs on Wednesdays on Comet, I think it is. But you can watch the show via the Fight TV app, which is free, by the way. It's awesome. It goes up at 7 o'clock every single Monday, right before Raw. Um, I'm pretty busy these days, so sometimes I can't watch it until Tuesday. But the reviews are always up regardless. Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, whatever it is. Um, But anyway, I know I do not talk all that much about Ring of Honor here on the show just because there's so much WWE news and reviews, especially for like TNA and other stuff like that. The Cruiserweight Classic just recently. I don't have enough time to talk about Ring of Honor here on the show, but I do watch it. I do review it. And Friday, I've already talked about this before. This is nothing new. Not, not you know a groundbreaking announcement or anything, but I will be in attendance for Ring of Honor's All-Star Extravaganza show on Friday, which is going to be fucking phenomenal. Pardon my French, but it is going to be absolutely amazing come Friday. Um, I have yet to be to I have yet to go to a Ring of Honor show. I was going to go about a year and a half ago. They had a New York City show. And I think June of 2015, right after they debuted on Pop or not Pop TV, Destination America. I, I know that didn't last long, but 
I think it was like Samoa Joe's last show. AJ was in the car. Daniels and Kazarian, they all faced off in some sort of tag team match or something. It was going to be a blockbuster show right after their Best in the World pay-per-view. I couldn't go. It was right after I went to Legends of Wrestling and a bunch of other shows that summer, so it would have been way too much. I went to SummerSlam that year, too, just like I did this year, so it would have been complete overkill, so I'm glad I did not go. Um, That said, my first ever Ring of Honor show this Friday will be a pay-per-view, and I've already been to three pay-per-views Three or no, two. Two pay-per-views so far this year. It will be four by year's end, believe it or not. For a guy that had not gone to a pay-per-view prior to SummerSlam 2015, I will have been at six pay-per-views from 2015 and 2016 in total. Obviously, SummerSlam 2015, TLC 2015, Extreme Rules 2016, SummerSlam 2016, Hell in a Cell next month, um, and literally a month from Friday, so September 30th, All-Star, All-Star Extravaganza, uh, Ring of Honor, All-Star Extravaganza, October 30th, Hell in the Cell, so the 30th, is a luck- the 30th is a lucky day for me, apparently, and then, like I said, Ring of Honor's pay-per-view on Friday, so that's six pay-per-views between 2015 and 2016 for me, unless they drop one, you know, out of nowhere in the next month or so in the Northeast area. I'm trying to, I mean, I'm excited to go to Hell in the Cell. I can't wait for it. Based off the card, that we're probably going to get a lot of Clash of Champions rematches, whatever. But, um, you know, Boston never disappoints. I've never been to a bad pay-per-view up to this point. All the pay-per-views, they weren't like amazing, but a lot of them were either really good, great, or just kind of decent. I've always enjoyed myself regardless. Um, but at this point, and I'll get to this a little bit later on, I wish Hell in the Cell was a SmackDown pay-per-view. Just because SmackDown has been absolutely killing it since day one. And I said, I said from the get-go, and a lot of people doubted me. I put up the whole video in the random video blog on the YouTube channel. I said it here on the show. I said it on Twitter. Are you Team Raw or are you Team SmackDown Live? I said, brother, I bleed blue. I am Team SmackDown Live. The blue brand for life. I love SmackDown. I said that from the moment they went live on... T- I've been loving SmackDown all year round. This is nothing new. Tom and I have been talking on this on WWEC Radio, now known as Wrestle... Or rather, Next Day Wrestling Radio. Since the start of the year, people, we have not been jumping on the bandwagon for the past two months. We've been enjoying the Blue Brand stuff since the start of the year, ever since they moved to USA Network. Or rather, moved to... Yeah, USA Network uh, earlier this year, the onset of 2016. Anyway, so I said when they moved... To Tuesdays, that SmackDown, you just got to give it time. It's a long-term project. SmackDown will be the better brand in time. I know that first show of the of the new era on the Monday right after Battleground was absolutely amazing. One of the greatest Raws of all time, or at least in recent memory. And a lot of people were saying that Raw had the edge over SmackDown. They had the better roster, the better moments. Yeah, that was true for one week. But pretty much ever since then, pretty much every week in that time, SmackDown has been the better show. And again, I said at that time, SmackDown will be a long-term project. You just got to give this brand some time to grow, develop new stars, develop some great, compelling storylines, and they have done just that. I know I'm all over the place here, but just there's so many thoughts in my mind, I can't contain them in an organized fashion here. I just really want to talk about SmackDown. We'll get to a SmackDown review a little bit later on after predictions, TNA talk, Clash of Champions review, Raw review, so on and so forth. But I am very excited for SmackDown Live right now. And you know I'm excited when I'm starting with SmackDown. I'm starting. I'm, I'm talking about SmackDown at the start of the show and not waiting to review it a little bit later on. And I will review it after all, all the other stuff I just mentioned. But I did have to mention that. I cannot wait for No Mercy in a couple weeks. 
Um, way more excited for that show than I was for Clash of Champions, which was a good show, a really good wrestling show, which I'll get into momentarily. Um, but in the weekend leading up to it, I wasn't really all that pumped. I was like, okay, cool, pay-per-view on Sunday. And it's not that we have pay-per-views pretty much every two weeks now, which is overkill, and it will be overkill at some point. I have no doubt about that. For me right now, I'm the type of fan that's just taking it as we, uh, you know, as they come. And I've enjoyed every event. Clash of Champions was really good. I thought Backlash was better, just my opinion. But both two really good shows. It's just that Raw, I feel like right now, SmackDown is the hotter brand. Raw is just kind of phoning it in. They have a lot of rematches, a lot of repeats, a lot of retread feuds from SummerSlam and so on and so forth. I'm ready for something new with a lot of the guys on Team Raw, on Team Red. SmackDown has been doing a really good job of coming up with fresh feuds, innovative matches, compelling storylines, so on and so forth right now that I'm just absolutely pumped for no mercy. Can't wait to preview that pay-per-view next Thursday here on the show. But this Thursday here on the show, like I said, a lot to talk about. I know I just pretty much ran through the first 10 minutes talking about ROH, SmackDown, all this other stuff. Um, But we will start with the new biggest news story in the world of wrestling in the last couple days. So TNA Bound for Glory is coming your way this Sunday live on pay-per-view, hopefully. And it seems like every single time TNA puts on a pay-per-view, and I feel so bad for them, I feel like every single time they put on a pay-per-view, there's always a fear they won't be able to put on the show due to lack of funding. And that seems to be the case with this Sunday show. So apparently I'm not going to... Go through every source. I'm not going to repeat the entire story. I talked about it here on the show just a week ago. I kind of gave my thoughts on it about the possibility of WWE buying out TNA. In the end, I think there's been a lot of talk on Twitter, all over social media, online, um, whether Billy Corgan will purchase TNA and take full ownership of the company or Dixie Carter will sell to Vince McMahon. But if she sells to Vince, and you know she doesn't give a shit about this company, so it's a realistic possibility that might happen, you know for a fact. And again, I'm going to repeat myself from last week. I won't go on a huge diatribe about this because I've already kind of talked about it. I don't want to echo those same thoughts. Just check out last week's show for my full thoughts on it. I don't think, I do not at all think that if Vince slash the WWE bought out TNA, that they would continue to have them function as a separate organization or put them on the network or whatever. They would not keep TNA alive. The sole reason that they would buy TNA, and only now and not years ago when they easily could have, is just because they want the tape library. And they had no one from that company in their co- in, in WWE for so many years, but now they have Bobby Roode, Austin Aries, Eric Young, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, the list goes on and on and on. They want that tape library. Now, I feel like it would be a complete 180 from telling your audience that TNA does not exist for many years and then putting their shit on the network saying, hey, look at all this TNA footage. You know what I mean? I feel like that's so stupid. But that's that's this company. That's WWE for you. I mean, I'm, I'd am i be pumped for it just because I've been saying for years I would love to see a TNA network of some kind. Obviously, that's not a realistic possibility because right now this company has no fucking money. Um, but if any company can do it, it's WWE. That being said, I, in the, at the end of the day, I do not think that Vince buys TNA. I do not think they buy the tape library. I, I would be shocked if that happened. It's not completely you know, implausible. It could very well happen, but I think my money at the end of the day, if I was betting money on this, I'm not, I'm not a betting man, but if I was putting money on this, that Corgan takes full ownership by Sunday. The show goes off without a hitch. It will go on. I would be shocked if BFG did not air on Sunday. With all the hype they've been giving this thing, and they would not continue to advertise as heavily as they are if they were not putting on the show. Now, 
this was the case maybe two years ago when I, I don't know if I talked about it at the time or not, but in 2014, when they had Bound for Glory in Japan, they did not talk about the show whatsoever. This is supposed to be their WrestleMania, and they didn't hype up the card. They just expected you to tune. It was on tape. It was awful. It was an awful, awful experience. And let me tell you, what a fucking waste. What an absolute waste that was. Um, so again, if, if they had these same issues two years ago, I could see that because they weren't really mentioning the Bound for Glory pay-per-view all that much. Is it even happening this year? Like People didn't even really know what Bound for Glory was all about two years ago. And if they canceled it, who cares? Because they didn't build up a card for this year. This is probably the most excited I've been for BFG in at least four years. You know, uh, and at least since 2012 or maybe even 2011. Uh, the product all 2016, all year round has been really, really good. So I'm looking forward to the show on Sunday. So that being said, we'll get into my predictions for the pay-per-view on Sunday. TNA Bound for Glory 2016, kicking off with a 10-man Bound for Glory gauntlet match. Uh, not every competitor has been named thus far. I might be spoiling something here. I'm just looking. I'm just going off of what Wikipedia is telling me, and it says so far confirmed for the match is Tyrus, Robbie E, Baron Dax. I don't know who, which member. Uh, that's one of the fucking you know Marcus, Louis, or Sylvester. I forgot which one it was, but it's one of the one of those guys. Jesse Goddard's Grado, Rockstar Spud, and Cody, who was just going by Cody, not Cody Rhodes, because that name is uh, licensed by WWE, but they are calling him Cody Rhodes. Or rather, just Cody in TNA. So, based off that cast of characters, and that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, um, three more to be announced. I'm sure they're going to announce like fucking like D'Angelo De Niro or Al Snow. I think Al Snow is going to be a part of from what I heard. Anyway, um, Cody's winning. If Cody's in this thing, Cody's absolutely winning. Why would he be involved in a match that he's not going to win? That'd be so stupid. So the whole purpose in last year's was complete train wreck. But the whole purpose of a Bound for Glory gauntlet match. Is to basically get everyone on the show. It's like their version of the Royal Rumble. And Tina did so many of these gauntlet battle royals. They're so tiresome at this point. And Tyrus won last year. Speaking of tire, tiresome, whatever. Stupid joke. Uh, he won last year. That went nowhere. He got a title shot in Impact earlier this year. Lost. Has not even been on TV since then, I think, for the most part. But uh, Cody's got to win. And the winner gets a future title shot. Maybe he goes after the world title. I'm not sure. Um, Cody versus EC3. I think EC3 might have been one of the guys that he wanted to face when he came out that list <clears throat> many months ago of the people he wanted to face on the indie scene. I feel like EC3 must have been on there. I got to double check. I know Galloway might have been. I, I know Bennett was, and he wrestled Bennett at Northeast Wrestling a couple weeks ago, about a month or so ago. But they'll probably reignite that rivalry in TNA with him having Eden Styles or Brandy Rhodes, as they're calling her. And then Mike Bennett having Maria. So anyway, Cody's winning that match. Also on Wikipedia, it said that DJZ was defending the X Division Championship. Now, I know he's defending this week against uh, Eddie Edwards. So I, ex I expect some sort of fuck finish. And then we get a multi-man match on Sunday, which we get way too much of for this division. We've gotten so many fucking X Division matches, ladder matches that mean absolutely nothing. The division is dead. But DJZ, DJZ just won the belt, so I'd be shocked if he dropped the belt so soon. So whoever he faces, I expect him to retain the title. Mike Bennett versus Moose. Uh, Moose just arrived. Give Moose the victory. I like Mike Bennett a lot, but it seems like they're probably higher. I don't know. I feel like Mike Bennett might have peaked 
in the EC3 feud. He had a lot of great mic work there. Those two had one of the best feuds all year. He beat EC3 on a number of occasions. And as soon as he lost, though, at Slammiversary, he's really gone nothing. He's kind of trended downwards, which is kind of unfortunate because he's a great talent. But I think Moose wins here. Aaron Rex versus Drew Galloway for the inaugural Impact Grand Championship. So if you've not been keeping up with TNA recently, uh, the matches that they have used to determine who qualified for this match, Aaron Rex, the former Damian Sandow, and Drew Galloway, they're under MMA-style rule. It's very confusing, but uh, Galloway and I think Eddie Edwards had a match a week ago on Impact. That was really, really good. For the rules, as dumb as they are, and it is MMA, I'm not saying MMA is dumb, but it doesn't work for pro wrestling, is what I'm saying. Keep it in the UFC, keep it in MMA. I just think it's such a silly concept, but it worked when they did Galloway versus uh, Eddie Edwards and Aaron Rex and Eli Drake had a good match too, so they might be able to have a good match on the show. But uh, Aaron Rex, Damian Sandow, whatever you want to call him, just debuted, so I'd be shocked if he lost here, so... I got Aaron Rex becoming the inaugural Impact Grand Champion. Maria versus Gail Kim for the Knockouts Championship. Gail Kim's got to win the belt. They've been. I, I first of all, I really like the fact they've been building up this feud all year round, almost since the moment that Maria and Mike Bennett arrived in TNA. They might have even clashed on the night that they debuted. I can't remember exactly. They must have though. If not on that show, if not on the debut show on Pop TV. Certainly afterward, or at least some point, you know, immediately afterwards, because these women have been at odds for many, many months now. So I like the fact they've been building towards this. I think a lot more people, I think a lot of people would uh, agree with me when they would say, when I say that I think they want to see Allie win the championship over Gail Kim at this point. But Gail Kim's going into the Hall of Fame that weekend. Well deserved, by the way. But, you know, she's she's got to win. I'd rather see Allie win the belt, but I expect Allie to. You know, debut some sort, and you know, I I expect her to turn on Maria in some form or fashion. So Gail Kim's gonna win the belt here. Decay versus Broken Matt Hardy and Brother Nero in a great war for the World Tag Team Titles. Absolutely far and beyond the match I'm most looking forward to on Sunday. Where they, I I think the the sole reason why a lot of the, you know non TNA fans will be watching the pay per view just to see what these two teams will come up with. Um, Deleter Decay, Final Deletion, whatever the hell it is, uh, both of those matches were really, really good, or, or at least really entertaining. I don't know what your definition of good is, but they were really, really entertaining, I'm sure. They're going to be able to come up with something just as cool on Sunday. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I don't know whether it's going to be pre-taped. I really hope it's not just a standard match. Like, if it's a hardcore match, cool. But I'd rather be, you know, how can you... I mean, at this point, how can you realistically top what we saw in Final Deletion and Deleter Decay? How can you top it? You know, I don't know if even if it's a, if it's a hardcore false count anywhere no holds barred bet, which was advertised in Wikipedia. Like I said, even that I feel like would be a letdown. It would be disappointing. It would be underwhelming. So hopefully they come up with something more here. Uh, but regardless of how the match goes down, Brother Nero and Broken Matt Hardy are the Best things going far and beyond in TNA right now. They gotta win. They gotta win this match. If they don't, I'd be shocked. So we got new World Tag Team Champions, the Hardy Boys, or rather Broken Matt Hardy and Brother Nero. And then the main event, Lashley versus EC3 for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. Another match I'm looking forward to, a lot like Maria and Gail Kim. Another match that has roots dating back to 
I don't know, maybe February, March. I know Lashley beat Kurt Angle, turned heel on him, and then EC3 came to his aid. So this feud has technically had roots dating all the way back to maybe March or February. So it's been a long, long build. So I like that slow build a lot. And that TNA stuck it through. They didn't get cold feet. They didn't take the title off Lashley in an episode of Impact, which they would have done years ago. But thank God they didn't do it here. They've kept, you know, they stuck to the plan. They're getting the match. They're doing the match in the main event of their biggest show of the year. Uh, I could see Lashley winning, but I think they're, I don't know. I honestly don't really care, but I don't say it in a, in a bad way. I'd be happy with whoever wins here. I like EC3. I think Lashley has been the MVP, other than Matt Hardy, has been the has been the MVP of TNA in 2016. He's been doing some great work in the ring, especially on the mic as a character. He's come a long-ass way. He had a great reign back in 2014, but he was not nearly as entertaining as he is right now. Not half as entertaining as he is right now as a character. But uh, So again, I could see him retaining here, but then if he beats EC3, where do you go from there? Like I guess they could do a rematch with uh, Lashley still as champion, and they could do a rematch on Impact, and maybe EC3 beats him. I'd rather... Them just If they're going to do the feel-good story with EC3 winning the belt and finally overcoming Lashley, it's got to be their biggest show of the year. It just makes sense. But knowing this fucking company, they're probably going to do something stupid like they did. Remember Bobby Roode? Bobby Roode lost his big moment at Bound for Glory 2011, reportedly due to Hulk Hogan and something he said. He nixed the idea of Bobby winning on that show. And then he won the fucking belt anyway, like a month later on Impact. So it's not like it really mattered regardless. But uh, anyway... So, the point I'm trying to make is that it's not a foregone conclusion that EC3 wins here. But I'd put the belt on him. I think you know, he's had his road to redemption. He, dro- he dropped the belt to Matt Hardy back in January, I think. So, it's been a while since e- EC3 last held the Impact World Championship. And I think he wins it back here. So, I think we get three new, or technically, for my predictions, four. Uh, four new champions crowned on this show. We could see a clean sweep of all new champions if DJZ drops the belt. I don't expect... I don't, think he will but we could have maybe four or five new champions crowned on this show which they desperately need right now they need a blockbuster newsworthy show not just another kind of show they phoned in like slammiversary which i did not like all that much the main event was good the hardy boys match was good everything else was completely forgettable i can't even tell you the rest of the card honestly um but i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to it as as you know someone who has really sung the praises of tna all 2016 round uh, I really am looking forward to the show on Sunday. I implore anyone who has yet to give TNA a chance um, to check out this show on Sunday because it could be a pleasant surprise. So we go from there to Clash of Champions on Sunday. I don't want to spend too much time. How much time do we have left here? So we got 20 minutes in, about 40 minutes left. Uh, that's that's good time. I guess we could talk about Clash, Raw, SmackDown, and we can split that up accordingly. And Maybe some NXT talk if we have some time. So... Clash of Champions on Sunday. I thought it was a really good wrestling show. Not a lot of great finishes. Um, most of the right people went over. It was just how they went over that, that kind of made for fuck finishes. Um, so again, not a blowaway show. I would give it a thumbs up just for the really good wrestling throughout the night. But still, it did, for whatever reason, leave something to be desired. I did not walk away from the show as satisfied as I did Backlash. And it's not just because, oh, we didn't get a new world champion crowned like we did at Backlash. It's just, I don't know, just the booking of that main event was not as good as it should have been, or at least not as well done as it could have been. So anyway, Clash of Champions on Sunday, September 25th, 2016. We kicked off the night with a kickoff show, Nia Jax versus Alicia Fox. 
Pretty standard match. Nia Jax wins in a couple minutes. You know, Alicia Fox getting more offense on Nia than anyone else has before her. She got a uh, the scissors kick in there, which still to me looks devastating. I'm not saying it as in like, oh my God, it looks so brutal. I say that in a way that it looks absolutely killer. Like it could kill somebody. I've said that since the beginning of time, that her scissors kick is so fucking you know, disgusting looking. It looks like she's going to kill someone and decapitate someone with that scissors kick. She's got to stop doing it. But it did make for a good near fall here on Nia Jax 1, like I said. The New Day defending their WWE tag team titles against the club. Uh, pretty good match. Probably, not even probably, easily the best match these two teams have ever had. Um, I don't know whether this match or the Raw match was better. I think this match might have been even better just because I really liked the first opening minute. It's just such a shame. I mean, I guess I might as well, you know, intertwine my thoughts on Raw and with my Clash of Champions review. But it really fucking sucks, dude. It really sucks that they've ruined, really essentially ruined, and I hate to use that word. I hate to use the words buried or ruined, but they really have ruined the club. Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson could not have been hotter when they showed up in WWE for the first time back in April. Attacking the Usos, place went nuts. In Los Angeles, we're back in Los Angeles next week, and it's so sad, a difference, you know, what a difference six months can make, that no one fucking cares about these people anymore, no one cares, no one cares, we had a glimpse of greatness for, albeit, a minute or so, when they started off this match, you know, from the get-go, beating the holy shit out of the New Day, I thought, oh my god, they're gonna break the record, they're gonna win the belts, they didn't, obviously, Um, but I thought it was something refreshing, and I thought it would lead to them winning the belts, you know, either that match or the next night. Didn't happen, of course. But that's the club that we should have gotten from the get-go. We did get for a time when they first showed up. But even back then, there's a clip here on the YouTube channel, on the YouTube channel, whatever. If you go back far enough from maybe April, May, I'm pretty sure it was May when I talked with John about it, that why the fuck were they booking these guys to lose against the Usos every week? That, for one thing, made no sense. I know they beat them at Extreme Rules. They went on to lose the tag team title match at Money in the Bank. They lost to John Cena and his squad at Battleground. They technically won at SummerSlam, but, but via DQ, so they lost. And they lost here. They're losers. What have I said about the Wyatt family for at least a year or two now? They're fucking losers. The club might actually have the Wyatt family beat in terms of being losers. And I'm not saying that because they suck. When I call someone a loser here on the show, RJ knows. It was a running joke here on the show for about a year or so when he was back on here with me before he departed off and graduated and left for, you know, rode off into the sunset, that whenever I called someone a loser, it was because they lost a lot. That is the definition of a loser, people. Not because they suck, not because they're not good, but because by by, by definition of the word loser, they lose a lot in the club. They're fucking losers. They lose to everybody. They lost to the New Day in the two months that they feuded probably nine times out of ten. And it was ridiculous. No one gave a fuck about these guys, and no one saw them as threats to the title. So when they lost, it really wasn't all that surprising. This was their last-ditch effort to make the... I mean, again, it was a good match. But are they really... You know what? I can't even say they should have put the belts on them here because I feel like the damage has been done. I don't know... They can be resurrected if they're made to look like complete badasses as they should have, but it's sad. They, they have really ruined these guys. They have really ruined any allure, any, you know, spark, any magic, you know, pun intended, I guess, the magic killer, 
that Gallows and Anderson had when they first showed up. And at this point, there were just another two guys on the roster. What a shame. So New Day embarks onto Raw. They went into Raw to beat Club again to uh, celebrate 400 days as WWE Tag Team Champions. After that, for the Cruiserweight Championship, TJ Perkins taking on Brian Kendrick. Good match. Crowd was kind of quiet. It's going to be like this for a while, people. The chance during... Was it this? No, it was the next night. It was the next night on Raw when we had Perkins and Tony Nese again, a really fun match, and the crowd chanted fucking CM Punk and Randy fucking Savage. No, they did not say fucking, but I say fucking because it pissed me the hell off. Why are fans crapping? Not crapping all Crapping, I guess, would be booing, but why would you be chanting for CM Punk? You, ask, you People ask for wrestling. You ask for cruiserweights. Well, you got it, and you just blow it away. I'm not saying every like everyone on social media was disgusted by this, so I'm not saying people in general should be a should be ashamed of them of themselves. It's just these pockets of idiots. This specific pocket of idiots in whatever city this show emanated from on Raw. Anyway, they didn't do it to the pay per view. They wore quiet for both matches. But that's not their fault. Both matches were really good. It's just that with the division just debuted, and other than Kendrick headbutting Perkins after the match, we have no fucking idea who's face and who's heel. Perkins was homeless. Okay, that makes him a baby face. Kendrick headbutted him after the match and didn't show respect. Okay, that makes him a heel. As for everyone else... We really don't know. I'm going to cheer for these guys because they're great wrestlers. The tag team match on Raw that saw Lince Dorado, Drew Gallic, Drew Galak. I always fuck up his name. I apologize. I don't know what the exact pronunciation is. Versus Cedric Alexander and Rich Swan was an awesome match. And I feel like people will easily take the guys of Alexander and Swan just because they're so goddamn good in the ring. It won't be hard for them to get cheered as fan favorites. But for the rest of them, no one really knows how to react. So it's going to be a little bit quiet from the get-go. And the second thing, I probably said this last week, but if you're expecting barn burner abouts, you know, that we saw in the CWC, like these five-star instant classics, and I would really go so far as to say that Ayabushi versus Alexander was, if not a five-star classic, four and a half. That match was probably the best match I've seen in WWE all year. So anyway... If you're expecting those kind of matches on Raw and on pay-per-view, you will be sorely disappointed. You can't have those pesky cruiserweights, you know, overshadowing the main roster, guys. You just can't have it, damn it. Why? Because fuck you. That's why, according to Vince. So anyway, good match. TJ Perkins, still the cruiserweight champion. He will defend the title in a rematch against Kendrick next week on Raw in Los Angeles. I think Perkins' hometown, definitely the hometown of Kendrick, I think. So it's going to be interesting. Can't wait for that. After that, we had Cesaro and Sheamus in match seven of the best of seven series for an apparent title opportunity. And the whole thing with this series, a lot of people did not like the matches. Um, You know, people were just kind of growing tired of it. And I said last week, I've said it for weeks now, that they will save the best for last in terms of of their matches. Because Cesaro and Sheamus have gone out there before and fucking killed it. They have had, had amazing matches in the past. The last couple on Raw and at SummerSlam were really good. They weren't great. But they were good to really, really good. This match was great. And like I said, they would save the best for last, and they definitely did that. The only gripe I had with this match was the goddamn toe that Cesaro did through the ropes. Completely unnecessary. Biggie didn't do it, so Cesaro filled in for him. 
and doing one of the dumbest dives I've ever seen. He landed straight on his neck. It was a cringeworthy moment. It was one of those moments It's like, dude, why the hell did you do that? We respect you. We love you. All the wrestlers that put their bodies on the line for us, risk their lives, risk their health, long-term health. We get it. We love you for it, but you don't have to do it. They were having a great match before that even happened. It wasn't necessary. No, he's not actually hurt. Cesaro went on Twitter and made a joke about it on Tuesday, I think, or yeah, Tuesday, I think it was, which was hilarious. But he's just, the dives are so unnecessary in general. Everybody does a damn dive. So at what point do you stop doing it just because everyone does it and it's not special anymore? Thank God the Usos won heel. I mean, I guess they're still doing the super kick anyway, but they would do it as baby faces and not in every match, not only in every match, but at least 15 or 20 times over in every goddamn match they had. It was ridiculous. Um, so anyway, no more dives. No more dives. In terms of this match, Cesaro and Sheamus fought to a draw, a double countout, I think it was, after uh, neither guy could you know, answer the 10 count. They, got, they beat each other up so badly. It ended in a draw. So we found out the next night that Cesaro and Sheamus will be a tag team going forward. Which I like. I like. I don't love it. I think Cesaro should be higher up in the card. They should be doing more with him. But, you know, if they weren't going to do anything with him before, why would they change their minds now? You know, they're, they're obviously they're busy with Reigns and Rusev right now in the U.S. title picture. The Universal title picture has Owens, Jericho, and Rollins in it right now, so he's not going there. He obviously should be on SmackDown. I don't know if that's happening anytime soon. I know Daniel Bryan tweeted him on early Tuesday or maybe or I'm pretty sure it was Tuesday. Early Wednesday, I'm pretty sure it was Tuesday, though. About jumping ship to SmackDown, and Cesaro said he would think about it. So hopefully he does jump ship to the blue brand. That would be the best thing for him in his career. Um, but anyway, for right now, anyway, it gives Cesaro something to do. I'm sure Cesaro and Sheamus, as the strange bedfellows partnership for right now, could be a lot of fun. But once they start gelling, once they start getting on the same page, they could be a really, really good tag team. If you think the matches that they've had in the past have been great to good or good to great to amazing just wait until they start teaming up that's gonna be awesome probably just as good as y2aj was you know earlier this year that was awesome short-lived but awesome and it uh, looks like they're gonna be facing new day for the tag team titles come hell in a cell so they could win too i could be there for when new day won the belts at SummerSlam 2015 which i was in attendance for and then i could be there when they dropped the belts in boston so we'll see how that goes we have Jericho versus Sami Zayn up next. Again, a really good match. Jericho ends with the code breaker clean. Uh, I was fine with this. Jericho is not burying people. I laugh every time someone says that just because in his previous runs, when all he did was lose for the most part, people would say, oh, all you do is put people over. Why are you getting buried? Why is Jericho getting buried? And then all when he, all he does is win, or at least win most of his matches, all people can say is, oh, all he does is bury people. You know what? He's Chris fucking Jericho. He's established. He's a credible veteran. And Sami Zayn is the ultimate underdog anyway. The guy benefits from losing. How amazing is that? How amazing is that? Very rare that you see something like that nowadays where Sami Zayn actually benefits from losing a match. Not that he, you know, gets hurt from winning a match. But it's his gimmick to lose anyway. So it made sense for him to lose here. My only gripe with this, for as good as the match was, was that the program was apparently blown off. Sami Zayn was not on Raw the next night, which blew my mind. Jericho was in the main event. He and Owens beat Enzo and Cass in a good, entertaining match. The highlight real stuff was also really funny, too. Sami Zayn, meanwhile, was nowhere to be seen. 
Actually, he was seen on Superstars. He faced, I believe, Curtis Axel. Why the fuck are they not doing more with this guy? I mean, I know I've, I've probably said it before, um, but it really did not strike me until Monday's Raw when he had this great thing going with Jericho. They had a really good highlight reel segment a couple weeks ago on Raw. The 10-man tag team thing the week later was whatever. But the match at Clash of Champions was really good. And I tweeted out that night, cannot wait for more matches between the two. And then we find out the next night that's apparently not happening. It looks like, you know, based off my perception anyway, that they wanted to give Jericho a win before moving him into the Universal Championship picture. And that's fine. But I'd rather also see him feud to Zayn in the meantime. If anything, I would do a triple threat with Owens... I, that, this is what I would do. I would do Owens and Rollins again at Hell in a Cell, one-on-one, and then so Jericho can't interfere. And then Jericho gets involved in the championship picture at Survivor Series, along with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens in Canada. That fucking writes itself. That writes itself. So you have Jericho win at Clash. You have Zayn avenge the loss at Hell in a Cell. They're tied one for one. So they both earn a world title opportunity. Rollins gets busy with someone else, another goon of Triple H or whatever. So you do that triple threat match at Survivor Series. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's pitched that. But just the fact that they're not doing more with Sami Zayn, the same guy who contested one of the best bouts in the main roster all year with Kevin Owens at Battleground two months ago, blows my mind. That I mean, I love the brand split. A lot of people are benefiting from it. But this guy, he's not even on Raw. He is not even on Raw, and it's sad, because he deserves to be, and he's really that good. After that, we had Charlotte, Bailey, and Sasha Banks in a triple threat match for the Raw Women's Championship. A really, really good match. As expected, all three women had great chemistry. A bit rushed at times. It was never really a dull moment. A lot of these matches, like with Reigns and Rusev, I could be you know, busy doing something else on my laptop or doing something else around my room or whatever. This was a match I sat down to watch and paid full attention to the match because they were counter after counter, pinfall attempt after pinfall attempt. Great match. Not the best main roster women's match I've seen all year, but still a really good match. Charlotte in the end pinning Bailey to retain her title. So right outcome, great match. That led to Charlotte and Sasha the next night on Raw encountering one another. I was hoping the feud would be blown off at a Clash of Champions, but I'm glad it's not. Because if they did that one-and-done you know rematch clause at Clash of Champions... And then moved forward, what a waste that would be of the perfect opportunity to have these women main event the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. And I'm not just saying that, I mean, for two reasons. One, they've never done, obviously, a Hell in a Cell women's match before. Sasha Banks was involved in the first ever Iron Woman match, Iron Man match, whatever the hell you want to call it, a year ago, almost exactly a year ago in NXT. So why why can't she repeat history? by creating another historic feat by competing the first ever women's Hell in a Cell match. And it's not just any ordinary, it's not like, oh, Mickey James and Alicia Fox this week inside the cell. No, that would be demeaning to the structure to pretty much everyone involved. That would make no sense. But Charlotte and Banks have a lot of history together, dating back three years, let alone in the main roster in the last couple of months. It makes sense to blow off the feud at that, not only at the show, but inside the cell and in the main event. Owens and Rollins had a really good main event on this show, and I'll talk about it in a couple seconds, you know, momentarily. But they could take a backseat for one show. I've always said the Raw women, I mean, they need to main event an episode of Raw first with a match, which I don't think that's going to happen before the pay-per-view. 
Um, but they're not going to main event a WrestleMania anytime soon. They're probably not going to main event a SummerSlam or maybe Survivor Series, but um, not one of the big four pay-per-views or big three if we're not counting Survivor Series because I don't really count. I don't really consider it all that important anymore, to be honest with you. That there is a realistic possibility the women could main event one of these B-level pay-per-views, and why not have it be Hell in the Cell inside the cell? And look at this, Banks' hometown of Boston. Not my idea. Solo Monster pitched it on his show, on his review of the show a couple days ago. But I heard that and I fell in love with the idea. I love the idea of Banks going back after the belt in her hometown of Boston. In the main event, finally conquering Charlotte to become a two-time women's champion. You see me marking on the background because I'll be there. So uh, I really, really hope that uh, that's the case. I mean, I know they're having a match next week on Raw. No stipulation, just a straight-up singles match. I hope it ends in... You know, disqualification count out. Then again, I said the same thing about their match um, on the first Raw of the new era. And that was a clean finish, and Banks won the belt on Raw. So we could see something similar this coming week, but I hope not, just because I would love to see it blown off inside the cell in Boston next month. And then we get to, for the United States Championship, Roman Reigns and Rusev for the belt. A good match, pretty good match. The one on Raw just bored me to tears for whatever reason, just giving way too much time, ending in a, in a double count out anyway. So Reigns wins here, new U.S. champion, no problem with it. I was surprised that he won, just because I said here on the show it just last week that it did not feel like that a title change was happening. Based off the bill, they just reignited the rivalry. I would have saved the title change for the next pay-per-view, but whatever, because they're going to continue the feud anyway. If they had Reigns win and then blow off the feud, which I would have been completely content with because I'm ready for these two guys to move on from each other, then I would have been fine with that. But it looks like they're continuing the feud. So why not just keep Reigns in chase mode for a little while longer? That's nitpicking things. The match was pretty good. Reigns wins. And then I could see this match being the other Cell match at Hell in the Cell. Just because it it, it, it does justify, the, the feud does justify the Cell. It's gone on long enough. Um, no interference from Lana inside the Cell. So that's what I would do. Not exactly the most exciting idea ever just because Reigns and Rusev have you know, they, they have they had that really great, great match right before SummerSlam, you know, last month. But other than that, they do not have amazing in-ring chemistry. So hopefully that is the end of the feud come hell in the cell. And then the main event, Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins for the WWE Universal Championship for the first time ever. Good match. I enjoyed this match. I saw a lot of, oh, this is disappointing. This is bad. It was not a bad match. Maybe slightly underwhelming, but I, I enjoyed it. Uh, that was just me. The This Is Awesome chants were not necessary. I will say that much, but it was a good match, though. A lot of overbooking. Referees going down, Jericho interfering, uh, Owens cheating, Stephanie coming out. Just a lot of overbooking with authority figures and referees and interference, all this other shit. Uh, So that was a little much, but at the end of the day, Kevin Owens is still the WWE Universal Champion, as he should be. He just won the belt a month ago, uh, exactly a month ago from today, mind you. So... Why ruin that? Why take the title off of him so soon? So I'm glad it had the right result. Overall, Clash of Champions, I'd say it was a good show. I thought coming out of it, it was a great show. But in retrospect, it kind of wasn't. Um, just There wasn't really that one outstanding match. It wasn't a bad show by any means. So if anyone calls it a bad shit show, it wasn't. So stop. Uh, it was a really good wrestling show. The opener was really good. A really fun Cruiserweight title match. Zotto and Sheamus, in my opinion, stole the show. Jericho and Zayn, great match. Women's match, great match. Reigns and Rusev, pretty good. And the main event was entertaining too, in my opinion. So not really a bad match the entire show. And a lot of the right outcomes, can't really complain. It just really was lacking that one 
breakout match. It is bad in some people's minds, not in my mind, but in some people's minds, as SummerSlam was, it did have that one marquee match with John Cena and AJ Styles. Every pay-per-view thus far this year has had one of those match of the year candidates. This show did not have that. It was just a really good wrestling show with a couple of fluky finishes. So overall, I give it a thumbs up. A good show. Again, Backlash was better. I hate to compare the two brands because I feel like SmackDown's going to win every time. Um, but still a good show, and hopefully Hell in a Cell can deliver, especially considering I will be there come October 30th, the day right before my favorite holiday of the year, Halloween. So then we get from we go from there to SmackDown Live. So I'm not going to really review Raw because I wanted to mix in my thoughts with Clash and, and Raw in the, in, in the same review. So I'm not wasting time repeating myself. Nothing else really happened on Raw anyway that I didn't already talk about. So we get to SmackDown Live on Tuesday. Another excellent episode. The show continues to deliver every single fucking week. I bleed Lou. Like I said, I bleed Lou. Just uh, a really, really fun two hours. And it's not only the fact that, oh, you know, SmackDown doesn't have a third hour, therefore it's superior to Raw. No, it's the fact that they make the most of their, you know, limited roster. They develop characters for everybody. The tag team division for as, you know, depleted as it was from the get-go, I am now officially more intrigued and compelled and invested in the tag team scene on SmackDown than I am in the one on Raw. I mean, the club, as you said earlier, are a bunch of losers. They're a bunch of haters, as Enzo and Cass would say, who are great, by the way, but they're not really doing much. The New Day are the New Day. They're always going to be on top. And that's it. The Deadly Boys left. The club are losers. No one gives a fuck about Golden Truth or Shining Stars. So what a waste. Really, what a waste of great talent on Raw. SmackDown, on the other hand... They have Slater and Rhino, who are very much over. American Alpha, whose amazing talent speaks for themselves. They're building up a great heel duo of the Usos, who finally turned a few weeks ago, long overdue, in a great moment. These guys are finally reinventing themselves. They got a really good thing going. New entrance, new look, new theme. Awesome stuff. Really enjoy it. And they completed that, you know, renaissance, that, uh, that, uh, resurgence, I guess would be the right word to use, on Tuesday with the new theme, so I really like that. Uh, you have Brazongo, Vaude Villains, you have the Ascension, who shockingly won a match on Tuesday alongside the Usos, so I like the tag team division on SmackDown, to be honest with you. We have the Wyatt family, you can kind of count them. Um, but yeah, I, I really like the tag team scene on SmackDown. They use every woman on the show, for the most part. Even Maria is still suspended, but I expect she will not be back until after No Mercy, or even at No Mercy, who knows? Um, they have a couple good feuds, Orton and Wyatt. The title scene at the top of the card is also really stacked and great and entertaining every single week. And it just flows. Just the old school booking of SmackDown so far. Pretty much the whole year has been good, but since the brand split came back, it's been awesome. It has really been my favorite wrestling show to watch every single week. I enjoy NXT. I enjoy Lucha Underground. I enjoy Raw. I enjoy Ring of Honor, TNA, but SmackDown takes the cake as the show I am most excited for every single week. So, opening the show, Randy Orton calling out Bray Wyatt, which led to him searching for Bray Wyatt throughout the show. Kind of campy, but not as bad as it could have been. So, there was that. Uh, The feud so far has been very hit or miss. It's been good. Not bad, not great, but good. Um, It all depends on whether the match delivers. They officially confirmed the match for No Mercy today on WWE.com or on Wednesday, whatever, this week, right after the the show went off the air. They confirmed that Wyatt and Orton is happening at No Mercy. So if the match sucks, a bust of a feud. Um, But if the match is good, then I hope it is. The only thing is, I was thinking about this today when they announced the match, that who really sees Wyatt as a potential threat? 
to Randy Orton at this point after losing to Kane, of all people, at Backlash a few weeks ago. Really? Why? It's another guy who is just a loser. And I laughed when, when Renee Young said, no one has been able to beat Bray Wyatt. And then she rephrased what she said, and she said, no one has been able to beat Bray Wyatt at his own game, or at stuff like this, the mind games. I almost laughed when she said no one can beat Bray Wyatt because pretty much everyone has beaten Bray Wyatt. Dean Ambrose, John Cena, Kane, apparently, everyone, Dolph Ziggler. Um, so, anyway, I thought that was good. So, good segments throughout the show. Uh, Wyatt and Orton is now confirmed for No Mercy next month. I already talked about the eight-man tag team match, Usos and Ascension beating Slater, Rhino, and American Alpha. Another good tag team match, Carmella and Natalya beating Nikki, Bella, and Naomi. Not, nothing too, too special about the match itself, but... I'm liking the feuds. Carmella and Nikki Bella have a very straightforward, good, effective feud with Carmella getting the better of Nikki at every turn in singles action, six-pack challenges, five-pack challenges, tag team matches. Nikki Bella just, she, you know, Carmella has her number. She just cannot beat Carmella right now. So I know Nikki tweeted last week that might lead to a no-DQ match of some sort. I know Mercy, I think it might be a little too soon for that. Maybe save that for the next pay-per-view. But... I do like the feud so far, and uh, Carmella has really come a long way as a heel. She was directionless when she showed up on SmackDown a few months ago. Her and Alexa Bliss both, but both of them have really found their footing quite quickly on the SmackDown brand, so I appreciate that. And then Naomi and Natalya are doing their thing, and Naomi has one of the best entrances entrances in WWE right now. Just a complete 180 from where she was like six months ago, which is great. Dolph Ziggler and The Miz in a blow-away segment. And if anyone says, in my opinion, this is comp- just my opinion, if anyone says that the Intercontinental Championship is no longer prestigious or is not prestigious at this time, I say, fuck you. Okay, I'm just kidding. I don't say that, but I think you have to be really lying to yourself. I'm not saying it's as prestigious as it once was 20, 30 years ago, but this is the most I have cared about an icy title feud in years. Honestly, I, c- I could not tell you. I mean, I enjoyed Ambrose and Owens. I enjoyed Rhodes as IC champion, but other than that, a lot of those champions, before and after those guys, no one gave a shit about them. The feuds sucked. They were aftermath. They were just complete afterthoughts. This feud has been great, which shocks me because I was not high on the idea of a Miz and Ziggler feud. Just because we've seen it before, they feuded at this time two years ago. They had a million matches against each other. They're having a million and more, you know, a million and one more matches against each other in the fall of 2016, not 2014. But their in-ring chemistry is always really good. Their match last week was actually pretty awesome. And they're having another match in No Mercy. But the caveat is this. If Miz can once again defeat Dolph Ziggler, if Ziggler can you know, fall short, if he can truly, it is not third time's the charm, he cannot truly beat the Miz for the Intercontinental Championship come No Mercy, he leaves WWE. Doesn't go to Raw, doesn't go to NXT. Miz was very clear about that. Thank God, because they hate when that happens. Oh, loser gets fired. Oh, no, they show up on Raw the next day. Stupid. Thank God that's not the case. That, to me, when they said that, as intrigued, as entertained as I was by this segment, as soon as they said that, I said to myself, Ziggler's winning. Fuck. I mean, they really want Miz to win the belt or retain the belt through next year. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, you know, reports are coming out. Ziggler's leaving the company. Is he? Is he really? I mean, the last time I heard, he signed a contract through 2017. He re-signed in the summer of 2015, and at that point, everyone thought he was gone. He stuck around for what reason, I don't really know, other than money, Uh, because he has done jack shit since then. And the awful feud with Rusev, he lost to Tyler Breeze, Kevin Owens, uh, Baron Corbin, 
Dean Ambrose, Miz. He's lost to pretty much everyone in the last year and a half. So if he loses, he's gone. And I hope Miz wins because I, I like Dolph Ziggler, but we've seen it all. I don't really need to see him as IC champion. Not that it would be the worst and the guy's a great wrestler, but been there, done that. Same thing with Miz, I guess, but Miz has never felt hotter. And I saw an amazing comparison on Twitter a couple days ago or earlier today or whatever it was that Miz's talking smack promo, and that show, by the way, is really, really good. I do not watch it on the regular as I should, but I watched this week's episode, and I thought it was great. John Cena's interview was awesome. <clears throat> but anyway, I saw a comment earlier today on YouTube that Miz's talking smack promo last month was his Austin 316 moment. Now, saying that, I don't think they're going to come out with Miz t-shirts and everyone's going to buy one. I don't think they're going to they're gonna push him to the moon as WWE champion again. They might. Who knows? I think they, they should, but they, they probably won't. Um, I don't think he's going to become the next big superstar. That time has come and gone. He's already peaked at the main event level. But I do think it's really rejuvenated his career. And he's been doing, honestly, I'm a big Miz fan, having followed him since 2008. He has been doing the absolute best work of his career in the last month or so alone. In-ring-wise, character-wise, promo-wise. The promo on Tuesday was, I know Becky Lynch, to steal a quote from Becky Lynch, was straight fire. Absolute fire was that promo. Ziggler crying and whining and bitching, oh, I can't win the big one, blah, blah, blah. Miz was absolutely in the right to call him out on that and we've seen Ziggler cry before and be passionate and that's awesome and all but the thing is is that when he cuts a promo like this I really want to get behind the guy and then he loses so maybe he might change my mind if he wins on Sunday or next Sunday rather and he I assume he will I really do think that he will win the match I'd be shocked if he lost um I like I said I don't know what the exact you know, his exact contract details are. I don't know if Meltzer mentioned it on his show or on Twitter, if anyone's really looked into it. But as far as I know, anyway, Dolph Ziggler re-signed on the company through 2017. So he's going to be here. And I know he's leaving after that point, too. He's, he's gone on record and said, I re-signed when I did in 2015 to stick around for another two years. So, so unless they came to an early agreement to have him leave, which would be shocking considering they have, you know, such, you know, small depth on the SmackDown side, especially... For this brand split, I don't think he's leaving. Uh, but I am intrigued that this match was really, really good. And I guess we'll find out in terms, you know, more in terms of his contract status and stuff like that. I'd rather just have him win than lose and come back like a week later and continue to attack Miz until Miz rehires him, you know, a la John Cena a couple years ago, the Nexus, which was an awful storyline at that point. When Miz, remember when Cena got fired and he did not miss an episode of Raw from that point forward? What a stupid storyline. Hopefully, I don't have the same thing in mind with Ziggler. Um, the feud's been great. By far the best feud going in WWE right now. Just a really good segment. Miz is bringing the goods. Ziggler's bringing the goods. The matches have been great. I expect they're encountered at no mercy to be no exception. Alexa Bliss attacking Becky Lynch from behind before a match on the show. Simple, straightforward, effective. Alexa Bliss is so goddamn cute. She's adorable. But... Not in the way that I want to cheer her. She is just so vicious. She's she's feisty, I think is the best word to uh, sum her up and with one word. Alexa Bliss is feisty. And this was, like I said, really effective heel heat. Put heel heat on Alexa. Made her look like a threat to the title. Well done. And then we get to the main event for the WWE World Championship. AJ Styles defending the gold against Dean Ambrose in an excellent match. Arguably better than their match at Backlash. I wouldn't call you it out. I wouldn't call you out on it if you said the backlash bat was better, but it really speaks volumes to how good these, you know, how good the chemistry is between these two guys. 
that they could go out there at a pay-per-view and then again on SmackDown and have two really, really good matches, two great matches, excellent even. So again, awesome match here, John Cena on commentary, he factored into the finish, he distracted AJ Styles, or rather Dean Ambrose inadvertently, and then AJ took advantage, rolled up our Dean Ambrose for the win, held the tights, and is still the WWE World Champion. They all went after each other afterwards. Cena planted Ambrose with an AA before planting AJ Styles with an AA as well. And Cena was the last man standing holding the championship over his head, teasing that he will become a 16-time world champion at no mercy. So I don't want to get into my prediction for that pay-per-view just yet because that's not until next Sunday, but I don't think Cena's winning the pay-per-view, nor should he. That's a major moment. They won't waste it, or at least they shouldn't at no mercy. They shouldn't waste that moment at no mercy. And if anything, save it for WrestleMania or whatever. But this was a really, really good match to cap off a just a great episode of SmackDown. Really loving the blue brand lately. They have been fucking killing it since, you know, pretty much since the start of the year. I think people don't realize that. All the SmackDowns are on the network if you want to check them out. Um, but I just think since, especially since the brand split, this brand has been just killing in terms of great matches, feud, storyline development, character development, stuff like that has just been on point. And like I said earlier, easily my favorite wrestling show of 2016. So that's just about it. Sorry, I brushed my hand in the, uh, on the mic there for a second. Uh, I've got a couple minutes left. Not really all that much left to discuss. NXT was good. Uh, not great. Not as great as past weeks. But Dillinger beating Lang- uh, Angelo Dawkins before teasing a partnership with Bobby Roode for the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. They are uh, gloriously, perfe- or gloriously perfect, I think it was, as Corey Graves said on commentary. So that's a fun tag team I can't wait to see unfold. The Revival, their match against the Ely Brothers, I think is how you pronounce their last name, never came to fruition after they were attacked. Uh, the Ely Brothers, that is, by Samoa Joe, who's on a rampage right now, in road, you know, in route to getting his rematch of the NXT Championship. Uh, and then the, rival, the Revival just kind of walked off, which was pretty funny. Ember Moon beating Mandy Rose, a really good showing by Mandy Rose. Uh, she was beyond green a month or so ago when she was on the show. Maybe, I don't know, she's been training more. I don't know, but she had a really good match here with Ember Moon. Ember Moon wins. The Authors of Pain dominating Mr. 450 and Cruz. I think those are the names of the guys. In quick fashion, quick decisive fashion. Asuka beating Liv Morgan in a match that literally went all of like a half a minute, a minute at most. And she has really wiped out this entire division. Hideo Tommy beating Lince Dorado in the main event in a really fun match. So that was it for NXT and Wednesday. Again, nothing really all that noteworthy, but uh, just a good show overall. And that's it, guys. Like I said at the start of the show, I am just absolutely fucking pumped right now. I am amped beyond belief for our All-Star Extravaganza on Friday, presented by Ring of Honor, my first ever ROH show. Should be just a really fun night of wrestling. And then following that up, in exactly a month from that day, from Friday, at Hell in a Cell, the Go to Sleep Tour with Mr. Marceau continues, rides right through Lowell Mass on Friday for All-Star Extravaganza, and will culminate on October 30th the day prior to my favorite day of the year, my favorite holiday of the year, rather, Halloween. And I'll probably wear, I just saw it today on WWE.com, they put out a Bootios t-shirt, but Boo T.O.s, if that makes sense. Like, you know, Boo, Ghost, whatever. Kind of corny, but I like the shirt, so I might buy that and wear that to the show. Spoiler alert. Um, but yeah, just another, it's a great time to be a wrestling fan right now. If you're not digging Raw, watch SmackDown. If you're not digging the WWE product, watch NXT. If you're not digging anything WWE, Check out TNA. Check out Bound for Glory on Sunday. Check out All Star Extravaganza on you know on Friday tomorrow. Check out Lucha Underground. Check out all these other promotions that are going on right now in the world of wrestling. You can't go wrong with whatever with whatever promotion you choose. 
So we will have a stacked show next week. It seems like every show is stacked on here on uh, on WrestleRant Radio, but even more so than Bound for Glory, I'm more psyched to see what happens with TNA. I'm not one of those people like, oh, can't wait to see him go out of business. I'm a TNA fan. I have been for over eight years at this point. I really enjoy TNA. I've been watching since the start. There was a one-year period I could not tune in. I didn't have DVR, and I just kind of forgot about it from like 2009 to 2010. But other than that, I've been watching pretty regularly throughout 2000 and uh, you know ever since then for the past five years. And the product this year is the best it's been since probably 2012. So check it out when you want. Uh, and, and check out the pay-per-view on Sunday. But again, I really don't hope that I, I really hope they don't go out of business. It'd be cool to see Vince buy the, the tape library and see that shit on the network. That'd be pretty fucking cool. I don't know what that would mean for the, the promotion itself, though. So again, I'm more looking forward to seeing what happens with TNA in the next couple of days, more so than the pay-per-view itself, although the pay-per-view should be really fun. So check it out on Sunday. All-star extravaganza tomorrow. Might have some live thoughts on the pay-per-view. Hopefully going with Tommy Sharpie. Literally just texted me before I started recording here that he will be at the pay-per-view with me. He's joining me on Friday, my first ever wrestling show with Tommy Sharp. And speaking of which, great plug here for our new show, or rather the re-debut of WWE EC Radio. It's back, but under a new name, Next Era Wrestling Radio. Now going live on Fridays and not Thursdays. Pretty much along the same lines as WrestleRant Radio. We talk about all the things going on in WWE and beyond. But in like a commentator, more official voice. Like I just kind of rant here. It's WrestleRant Radio. But we take a more professional stance on the world of WWE on Next Air Wrestling Radio. Always a fun listen. We had a great debut episode last week that's already up here on the website under Archive Next Air Wrestling Radio from September 23rd, I think it was. Check it out. Another episode coming up on Friday, pre-All-Star Extravaganza Edition. We're talking all about Clash, Ross, SmackDown, NXT, so on and so forth. And also check me out on the Cruise Control Podcast with Randy Cruz, the illustrious, incomparable, not illustrious, that's a bad thing, I think. Or no, rather, in- infamous is the bad thing. Illustrious is a, is a good term. I use that all the time to describe the, uh, the incomparable Mr. Marceau, RJ. But uh, anyway... So, Cruise Control Podcast, I'm not on there pretty much every week. If you want to check it out at, uh, I don't know the exact link is, but follow him on Twitter, at the Randy Cruz, or Randy J. Cruz, rather, or just follow me at WrestleRant, and I always tweet out the link whenever the show goes up, or Facebook, same thing, facebook.com backslash graham.gsm.matthews. And that's it, guys. I'll be back next Thursday with another all-new stacked edition of WrestleRant Radio talking all about my live experience at ROH All-Star Extravaganza, talking all about TNA Bound for Glory, the latest on the TNA front, who's buying TNA, Billy Corgan, Vince McMahon, Sinclair Broadcasting, we'll find out hopefully in the next couple days, and also a full preview and predictions and picks for No Mercy that Sunday. So looking forward to next Thursday, folks. Have an amazing week and weekend. I'm Graham G. Matthews, and I'll catch you guys down the road.